Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Also available at Podcast One, that thanks to our sponsor, MillsAuto.com. Hard to believe it's 2021, Chris, but here we go. Uh, how are you, man? I am doing great, Mac. It's, uh, it's good to be back on the air with you. Uh, it's good to be at this point in the year where we're you know, almost in the golf season. So um, 2000, from last year to this year might have been the longest year in history, but <laughs> it's, gone off, it's gone awfully fast. Yeah. And the golf world uh, really was one of the one of the lucky ones as far as uh, the ability ability for people to play and the ability for the tour to go on kind of in uh, almost regular fashion. Some of the minor tours maybe not so much, but nice to see that happen. And uh, this year, hopefully more normalcy and uh, and uh, that continuation, Chris, of uh, getting new people to the golf course, which uh, last year really happened. Yeah, it. Uh you know, the, the golf industry went from a, a bit troublesome uh, with, you know, very little growth the last decade to where last year, it, you know, it absolutely exploded. And, um, you know, I think rounds in golf in Minnesota were up uh, uh, in the neighborhood of 23 to 25%. And so I think, you know, almost every golf course had, you know, either – equal to their best year or, or record-breaking years. And, um, you know, I think our, our job in the industry is really to make sure we, we continue this momentum as, as, as people are able to go back into the office, as, uh, as kids are able to go to summer camp, play baseball, play soccer. Uh, it's our job really to, uh, uh, to retain those people who either came back to the game or you know, or start of the game. So it's uh, uh, golf is in a really good place right now, and we uh, hopefully we keep this rolling. All kinds of headlines over the uh, winter and uh, fall season, winter season, now early spring season. Of course, the worst of which probably uh, a Tiger Woods car crash, and oh uh, what sounds like a uh, uh, badly, badly broken uh, leg, which. Uh, you just never know how how recovery is going to be. If anybody can do it, they always say, "I guess Tiger can." But um, boy, what a what a what an accident that was to the world and a, and a hit to the world of golf. Yeah, absolutely, you know, tragic and um, you, you just it, nobody there's there's nobody that's worked harder uh, than Tiger Woods at the game of golf, and he, he's he's made some. You know, several amazing comebacks in his career, uh, from you know back injury and addiction and and some other things. So yeah, I, I don't think you can ever count Tiger out. But uh, the extent of these injuries to his leg legs, I don't think we even um, really know that extent. And he doesn't know know either. But when you have to, when you when you go through the trauma that he has, and then. Uh, Combine that with the extent of the, the injuries, you, you just don't know if he'll ever be able to play golf at a high level again. Right, and uh, a fairly recent back surgery thrown in there. Right. We don't even, haven't probably even been able to consider how that might have been affected by the by the car crash as well. So, yeah, we you just know, have to. Interestingly, I, I've read so much about it and listened to so many different interviews, but they had a uh, one of the top orthopedic surgeons uh, on a podcast I listened to and, 
he said as far as the recovery of the back of his back, uh, the the downtime he's going to have to spend because of his the injury to his to his ankles and his leg, uh, it may actually be good for his back because he he won't be able to push himself like he normally does. So, oh, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. So the, the 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 back may uh, may benefit from the leg injuries. Wouldn't that be something? There yeah. was all those uh, strange and odd parallels that there always are in the world. But uh, uh, the course that they had just finished uh, playing that week, the pros uh, H- Hogan's Alley happens to be on that course, and of course Ben Hogan had uh, probably uh, what is either the most famous uh, accident in PGA Tour history, or maybe now maybe the second most historic, but. Right. No, nobody thought Hogan could come back. He was literally at death's door and uh, uh, played a reduced schedule pretty much the rest of his career. But in majors, yeah. he was he was the man still. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, the, the biggest difference and the 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 downside is that uh, at at that time Hogan was in his his mid thirties and 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 Tiger's in his uh, you know what is he forty six or whatever. So yeah, yeah. Um, so time was definitely on Hogan's side, where with Tiger, I uh, uh, unfortunately is not. For a second. We talked a little bit about shoulder season, Chris, and uh, your schedule. You've had uh, some time in the sun. I've, uh, of course, we keep in contact somewhat over the uh, winter months, and uh, you've got uh, a brief uh, one more trip, and then and then kind of your uh, regular schedule here for the rest of the uh, spring and summer. Yeah, you know, I uh, in the in the winter here, starting in November, I, I split my time between here and uh, Palm Springs, California, which is just the, to me the best spot there is in the U.S. in the winter. So I spent a week, about a week or ten days every month out there, and uh, that got a little bit derailed when uh, when everything kind of went back into lockdown. But I, I made my uh, November trip, and then uh, you know things got a little more crazy with COVID. So I, I didn't go in December or uh, the first part of January as I normally did. But then I've been out there uh, four of the or three of the last eight weeks I've been out there and I'm on my way there uh, tomorrow again. So You probably got uh, uh, what uh, Chris some clients that are regulars of you in, in that area that you work with and do you do as much? You probably do more with the youth here in Minnesota, correct? Or? Yeah, you know in, in, in Minnesota it's probably 60% uh, you know, junior golfers and, and out there it's primarily adults. Although I, I teach a few, few kids out there, but I'm at a great, uh, great club in Indian Wells called El Dorado country club. And, uh, I've been doing that for about six years. And so I have a nice regular, regular group of clients out there and, uh, they kind of fill my schedule for the, for the week I'm out there. And it's a, it's a great getaway and a great, uh, get to spend some, some time at a great golf course with a lot of great people. So uh, pretty lucky to get to do that all winter. You know, in my mind's eye, Chris, I kind of think you're, you know, your lovely bride. And uh, and do you kind of rub your neck and go, sorry, honey, I, I got to go back to El Dorado. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I don't bring that up a lot. <laughs> no. it, uh, as, as she's here teaching kindergarten, I, I just say, I'm, I'm working, honey. So, uh, but she... Uh, She's awfully supportive, so I'm pretty darn lucky. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was just giving you a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with more Lakes, Woods, and Irons right after this. 
Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, 1380 KLIZ, the fan, Colin McDonald with you. And a uh, conversation we had a while back with our good friend Trip Bowden, author and raconteur. Thought it was a good time of year to uh, go with this. Uh, we all like good cookbooks. We all like good stories. And uh, maybe we all got to be a little better cooks during the pandemic. The author of The Caddy's Cookbook is Trip Bowden. Here's a listen to that interview. Good, good friend of the show, always one of our most entertaining guests, but uh, I want to welcome back Trip Bowden, who, uh, those of you who remember, is a former, uh, he was the first full-time white caddy at Augusta National and uh, now an author. And uh, before we had him on, talked about his great book, uh, Freddie and Me, uh, Life Lessons from, from Freddie, ben- Freddie Bennett, Augusta National's legendary caddy master. And he's got a good, great new book out called The Caddy's Cookbook. Uh, welcome to the show. Show trip. Thanks, gents. Honored to be here, as always. You know, it. Uh, I, I mentioned off air. It. Uh, uh, th- this isn't exactly the Augusta Nash, or the, this isn't exactly the Augusta Junior Leagues cookbook that they put out on a, a yearly basis. But it's uh, kind of an insider's look at Augusta National, along with some of the uh, some of the great food around. Well, thank you for saying that. It's actually, uh, as I mentioned too, off air, that uh, they follow the rules and I do not. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's um it, it's a good way you call it an insider's look. It's uh, it's it's probably the only inside look that uh, could be done that way because no one knew the inside of that place like I did. I was very blessed and fortunate to uh, grow up out there, and many of those recipes were actually made at our house um, from Freddie Bennett, and who got them from Chef Clark, who was the handpicked chef from. Uh, Mr. Roberts, Clifford Roberts, the founder of the club, and Freddie would would bring various, uh, let's just say, gifted food items to the house and cook them in our kitchen. Uh, that's growing up. So it's pretty pretty special. Trip for for those who don't know, t- tell give us a little bit about your background and and who Freddie Bennett is, and kind of uh, lead us into your inspiration for write, writing this book. Well, um, I first meet Freddie when I'm ten years old and had moved from a neighborhood where I knew everyone to a neighborhood where I knew no one over on Wheeler Road, which is only about five minutes from the Augusta National. And I'm in the kitchen uh, where I hung out quite a bit in my youth, and I'm having a little chilly, and it's summertime, and there's a knock on the door, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's Freddie Bennett. And I, I go and open it, and he says, Hey, man, it's Freddie. I'm a doctor home. And I said, Yeah, a pop's in the back. Uh, yeah, come on in. And he takes the steps two at a time, and he's just this mammoth of a man. He's had such a presence. And he shakes my hand, and he says, you must be Trip. I've heard all about you. And he, it's the first handshake I remember as a kid, and I was thinking, well, what is there to know about me? And Pop walks in, and they start talking, and then I sit back down, and Pop says, come on, Freddie, let's go into my office, which was uh, our den, which had a bar in it, which was pretty cool. <laughs> and his Pop's idea of Dr. and Freddie was uh, a glass of scotch. Chevis Regal and some Spanish peanuts with the skin on and checking his blood pressure and telling him he's going to live, and they, they just start telling stories. And <laughs> I got to go in there with him, and, which was the first time ever to be in part of like an adult conversation. And Freddie's going on and on about this club, and I was very removed from the game of golf at that, at that time in my life. In fact, I hated it. I, I wanted to go fishing or kick a soccer ball, anything but golf, because my dad, he played golf, and I just felt like he took my dad away from me. So... Freddie's on and on about this club, and he turns to me and he says, I hear you don't like golf, but I hear you like to fish. And I said, man, I love to fish. He said, that, that does it. We're going to go to the club tomorrow, and we're going to go fishing. I said, all right, great, the club, cool, cool. And 
I say to myself, you know, what's, what's he talking about the club? And I said, well, you know, I got a, a, Repco, a Zepco uh, rod and reel. Just got it for uh, Christmas. He said, oh, man, no rod and reel. He said, that'll, that'll only slow you down. I'm thinking, slow me down? What are you talking about? So we go out to the club, which, of course, turned out to be, this is summertime. The, the club is closed. This is Augusta National Golf Club. Two and then Magnolia Lane. Hop in Freddie's personal golf cart. Zip on over to the par three with these cane poles that he cut from the bamboo that grows on number four. He made these cane poles himself. And we're just catching the brim in as fast as you can sling them up on the bank. Then he put them on a stringer. Just throw them in the cooler and let's go. And <laughs> I've never seen fishing like that in my life. And he was right. The Zepco rod and reel would have slowed me down. I'm talking about in the water. Boom, on the, on the land. There you go. And Freddie turns to me and he says, I know you don't like golf, but have you ever given it a chance? And I thought, I've, I've never had a question poised to me quite like that before. And I said, no, I haven't. And he said, all right, man, let me show you something. So he shows me the golf grip, the Hogan grip, you know, with the crook of your finger and the sort of meaty palm of your hand, just one finger, and I'm holding on, onto the cane pole like that. And he says, all right, pulling a fish. And I'm weighing about 12 pounds at this point in my life. I'm a tiny little kid. And he puts the cane pole in the water. I'm holding onto it with one finger, and I'm pulling a fish. And I said, that's golf? He said, that's golf. And I was hooked. No pun intended. <laughs> and thanks to Freddie Bennett, I was uh, blessed enough to make my high school golf team, uh, which was an accomplishment considering my girlfriend, who is now my wife, broke up with me the day of qualifier, and I shoot 48 and don't make it, so they had another <laughs> nine-hole qualifier. And I get on my knees and I grovel, which I've, I've gotten really good at that in my marriage, groveling, and uh, begging for mercy. And she has me back, and in the next qualifier, I shot 36, and made the golf team uh, as a ninth grader and Freddie came by the house with uh, Pompano from Florida that was flown in that morning to the Augusta National and Chef Clark thought he was uh, in his duty to give uh, some of that Pompano to Freddie and Freddie brought it by the house and he fried it up in our kitchen to uh, celebrate uh, me making the golf team and getting my love of my life back and he said man I want to hear all about it and that recipe is actually in the book in the, in the Caddy's Cookbook and she's put up with you for how many years now, Trip? Believe it or not, it's uh, been it's been twenty. 20 nice years, going. And, uh, we were, yeah, thank you, thank you. We were married on uh, Halloween. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> quite quite fitting. And I had uh, twenty seven groomsmen. <laughs> I've been in nineteen weddings <laughs> at, at that time, and uh, felt like there were a lot of my friends who needed to go, go and rent a tux and take some cash. It was, it was a great wedding. We uh, it was more of a party. In fact, we uh, my wife had been married once before, and her dad said. Uh, I'll pay for the reception, but I ain't paying for the wedding. <laughs> so we, we did the old take out a second mortgage and, and pay for our <laughs> wedding. And, and uh, you know, when it comes time to, you know, getting the horse and buggy and ride up into the sunset and throw the rice and all that stuff, I'm like, wait a minute. Hell with that. We pay for this damn thing. So we rode in the carriage around the church and came back in, and we blew it down until 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm paying for this party. We're going to stay to the end. And there we you did. go. Well, Trip, t- tell us tell us about a caddy's cookbook. It uh, uh, get some great stuff in there. Caddy's chewing gum. I want to hear about that. Oh man, that was a classic, classic. Well, the, the idea of the book came from. I personally don't care for cookbooks, except for uh, Ina Garten, the Barefoot Contessa lady. Her stuff is really good, but you got to be able to you know know your way around a measurement, which I do not. I'm a dash of this, a sprinkle of that kind of person, and always had been. But somehow I've I've been able to create some pretty awesome dishes. Um, that was for the impetus of, of the Caddy's Cookbook. I wanted it to be fun. And I've, I've been blessed to hear people say, I read your cookbook cover to cover. And I'm thinking, who reads a cookbook? That's perfect. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was hoping for. And But the Caddy's Chewing Gum, 
true story. There was a guy named Larry Fowler, who was uh, an Army vet and also a phenomenal caddy. And we're out there with our regular group, which, uh, with you boys being in Minnesota, uh, his, his name was uh, Mr. Britston, Paul Britston, and he was from North Dakota. And he would winter, winter in Bemidji, Minnesota. <laughs> and I never saw him wear a sweater. I don't think he owned one. And he called me Abner, like little Abner. I never knew why about that. And we were out there, and, and Larry, like, a, you know, getting that oil, as Freddie would say, um, the night before. And, and Freddie's butter beans, which were a great cure for a hangover, he'd make those in the caddy house, and you'd get a big old bowl full of those in the morning to cure what ails you. But uh, Mr. Brisson told Larry, he said, you, you show up tomorrow morning, and Larry was in our group, and Mr. Brisson would come down for a couple weeks at a time in February. He said, you show up drunk tomorrow with liquor on your breath, you're fired. Well, of course, Larry shows up drunk with liquor on his breath. But he's doing a very clever job of staying away from Mr. Britson best he can. Well, we're tooling down number two, and I look over, and there's Larry jumping like a pogo stick and reaching up and grabbing pine needles. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? Pulls him down. These loblolly pine needles are really long, and they're apparently they're very chewy. And he puts them in his mouth. He's chewing them. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the hell? And he goes, hey. My nickname is White Boy, which wasn't all that clever, but it fit. Hey, White Boy. White boy. And he's blowing his breath on me, and I'm like, damn, that smells like, like a Christmas tree. So he comes tooling down the fairway with Mr. Briston, and Mr. Briston says, Larry, I smell Christmas. And he said, yeah, boss. And he's doing the old <laughs> kind of fake accent. He says, yeah, boss. He said, they pipe that stuff in here right after Christmas, keep the Christmas spirit going. He said, me and my granddaddy, we used to go crap down on Christmas trees and nothing but pocket knives and gumption. But ain't that a beautiful smell? Mr. Briston said, yes. It smells like Christmas. He said, boy, they do everything out there, don't they? He said, yes, sir, they do. <laughs> <laughs> he called it God's own chewing gum. It he, he kept his job. It's got to be a great read uh, trip with the, I love, well, for me, you know, with my attention span, like like five-page chapters and six-page chapters and four-page chapters, a guy can kind of uh, can kind of get through a chapter or two and put together a pretty good meal, I'm guessing. Uh, tell me about uh, things an Augusta caddy might carry in his pockets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a uh, a grazer, kind of like a cow snacker, <laughs> and I always had everything in my pocket you could imagine. I mean, it'd be a pork chop sandwich, and I'd take two bites of that on number one, and that would take me through number nine. I had We called them bone sandwiches, which was chicken, fried chicken, and two pieces of squishy white bread, and horse would push it down with his knuckles and wrap it up. Sometimes it'd be a sausage dog. Uh, this is a good one here. Uh, my first day caddying out there, and I'm hungry, and I go to the up to the window there where Horace was cooking, and I asked for a hot dog, and he said sausage dog. I thought he misunderstood me. I said no, I'd like a hot dog. He said sausage dog. Took him the sausage dog through the window, and it's like a, a like a pay window at, at the at the horse races with the metal bars and everything, so you couldn't get in there to whip his ass or him whip yours, I guess. <laughs> and and I said okay, all right, and I'm thinking well. I'd like a Coke. He said, grape soda. I said, no, a Coke, please. He said, grape soda. He slides a grape soda to me. I thought, all right, I guess you, whatever's on the menu is on the menu. But whatever's on the menu, I, I put those in my pocket and just tooled on, on down the fairways. And sometimes it was, uh, there was a caddy named Donahue, uh, who you may recall the, uh, the phrase from Delta back in the day, uh, uh, we love to fly and it shows. And Freddie called Donahue Delta. So he loves to drink and it shows. <laughs> And I would have these 40-ounce uh, Crazy Horse Malt liquors in my caddy suit, which was huge pockets. 
I don't know why the pockets are so huge on those caddy suits, uh, uniforms, except for, I mean, to put a 40 ounce, think about that, a 40 ounce beer sitting perfectly in my pocket. You couldn't even tell it was in there. And we'd have to go off, we called it first thing smoking in the mornings, and, and I just handed it to Donahue, and uh, he called me his doctor to get him right with the chip. And, and uh, <laughs> he, ch- he chugged that bad boy, be gone by, by the first green. And uh, one time, Donahue, good story on Donahue, he showed up just in bad shape, but his main man was in town, and he had to go out with him. So he puts the bag on his shoulder, and he's like spinning around like a top. And Freddie said, that ain't going to do. So he put, and Freddie put another bag on Donahue's shoulder. Donahue was upright and looking good, and he said, man, he was balanced as the scales of justice. <laughs> but I had everything in my pocket, Mac. I mean, you, you name it, it was in there. It was a can of sardines, a boiled egg, uh, knit cheese crackers, bar none candy bars. If you needed something, I was I was your man. I was I was called Snack Man too. <laughs> nice. Barbara Ultra Lights in the box. Trip is uh, is Chef Clark. Is he still at Augusta National? Uh, no. Um, sadly, he's uh, passed on um, untimely death. He's been gone. Gosh. 25 years probably okay. if not more yeah, t- tell us about some of his secret recipes oh get several yeah, of those in the book yeah yeah well chef clark he was he was trained uh, by uh, french and dutch chef so he was I mean, he had a skill set about him he's a south carolina boy actually and but uh when he first got handpicked by uh, mr roberts uh, from the breakers down in florida and he gets there and then mr roberts is in town with some uh of his heavy hitters, and they just done this big merger for him, and, and made a lot of money for everybody. And Mr. Roberts is telling him, you know, we've got some national, we've got the best of everything. And he tells Chef Clark, I want my you know, my roasted lamb, I want my Parisian potatoes, I want my port, and I want my favorite dessert. And Chef Clark just said, Yes, sir, Mr. Roberts, absolutely. What what might that favorite dessert be? And he says, uh, Pound cake. And Chef goes, All right, I'm on it, I'm on it. Well, Chef wasn't on nothing. He didn't know cream brulee from a cream-filled donut, much less pound cake. He wasn't a baker. But he did know the Kroger, which I don't know if y'all have those in Minnesota. It's a grocery store there, and it was across the street from the National. So Chef slips across the gro- to the grocery store, gets a pound, gets a tin of uh, the Sara Lee pound cake, comes back, toasts it up in the oven, stirs it up as a guest National secret recipe pound cake, puts a little powdered sugar on it, makes it look authentic. And Mr. Roberts is digging into it and loving it. And he says, boys, and I'll not tell you, we got the best of everything here. Is this not the best pound cake you ever had? <laughs> so they're agreeing, and Chef Clark is, oh, you know, save the day. And he comes back out and asks Mr. Roberts how the meal was, and, and everybody's happy. And Mr. Roberts says, oh, just one thing, Chef, uh, if I may. And he said, yes, sir. He said, uh, I'd like the recipe. And Chef says, uh, recipe for what, Mr. Roberts? He says, the pound cake. Oh, hell. So for the rest of the season which ends the third week in May, Chef Clark is ducking Mr. Roberts. He's trying to get this recipe for Sarah Lee Pound Cake, which, of course, there isn't one unless you know Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, at the end of the season, Mr. Roberts comes into the kitchen and says, Chef, I don't know why you've been ducking my ass all season long, but I want that recipe for the pound cake so I can take it up to my private chef in New York and get him to make it up for me and the wife and get me back in good graces with her because, you know, I've been gone all year. And Chef goes, you know, there's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. He says, Mr. Roberts, that pound cake, it's, it's Sarah Lee. Mr. Roberts wasn't like the rest of us. He's never shopped in his life. And he said, what? And he said, Mr. Roberts, pound cake, sir, it's Sarah Lee. And he says, what? He said, Mr. Roberts, that pound cake is Sarah Lee. Mr. Robert pauses and he says, I don't give a damn. If it's Robert E. Lee, I want that recipe. <laughs> Get Sarah on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of it. <laughs>
life at the Augusta National, the secret recipe for pound cake was Sarah Lee. I like and, a good secret recipe, yeah. yeah. Keep it up in the cupboard. <laughs> yep, put it in the cupboard. And the, uh, the secret recipe for the clam chowder, which is absolutely fabulous, uh, it's Campbell's soup. <laughs> and with a little bit of bum- bumblebee minced clams and some clam juice, and then Chef would take these uh, new potatoes and kind of nick them up when he cut them, leave some skin on them, so it looked authentic, and he'd sprinkle a little bit of parsley on top and serve it up, and it was Campbell's soup. And Freddie would actually bring in these black uh, trash bags to hide the cans and throw them in the back of the station wagon so they didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Trip, why were Freddie's green beans the cure for the hangover? Actually, it was butter beans. Oh, butter beans. Okay. butter. Oh, yeah, butter beans. Right. Yeah, I misread it. Green beans. Uh, Freddie did the butter beans, and it was a cure because it was uh, greasy, but not greasy. It was greasy, but not... Uh, I'm sorry, saying this, I'm saying that backwards. It was grease, but not greasy. So it would slide <laughs> down the gullet, you know, because you got the cotton mouth working bad. <laughs> and it was it would stick to your ribs, so you didn't feel like you are going to blow chow on the course. Which I had done before. I'm never... Number seven, behind, right behind the pine tree there, where the big scoreboard is during the tournament. And I even read the putt. I said, two balls in the left. <laughs> that, was a, that was a wild night. Um, and it just it does stick to your ribs, uh, goes down the gullet. And besides that, it was just damn good. Made it with a honey-baked ham bone. Oh, so it had a little tinge of sweetness to it. It was it was wonderful. Magical and tender. Mm. <laughs> that, that recipe's in the book, too. It sounds good. The whole book is just loaded with uh, really anything, desserts and entrees and snacks and soups. And, uh, man, it looks uh, – it's it's just going to – and a great story. And a great story to connect every yeah. every one of them. Yeah. yeah I, wanted, I wanted the book to be um, a fun read. And behind every wonderful recipe in all of our families worldwide, there's a story behind it, where, where it came from. And I wanted the readers – to know that story, and also I want it to be the kind of cookbook where you know once once you make that recipe, then make it your own, put your own little spin on it, or or don't don't have to go back to a cookbook and look it up. How do you make the green beans? How do you make the butter beans? Then you'll know. Maybe go back and read the stories and have a good laugh, and be, you know be interactive and, and have fun with it. And I think I think the book pulled it off that well. I had a, had a great editor in uh, Julie Gans that I give a little shout out to uh, Scout Horse Publishing. She was uh, fantastic. In fact, I. I mentioned in the acknowledgments, um, she knew when to uh, release the Kraken and when to rein in the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> Trip, where do, where do people find the Caddy's Cookbook? Uh, well, it's actually on and all the usual suspects like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and whatnot. But uh, I love for people to come onto my website, which is uh, com. That's Trip with two P's, com, and just follow the prompts and you can order it on there, and I'll personalize it for you and. And I love to do it that way. Over, where I can write a little nice little note in there, put their name on it, and um, you know, be a cookbook for life. That's our conversation with Trip Bowden from a while back, actually. But again, tripbowden.com. Uh, Trip will sign your book for you. Uh, it's the Caddy's Cookbook. I've got it. It's very entertaining. Any of Trip's books, Freddie and Me, all the memorable rounds, the Caddy's Cookbook, and he's got another book coming out in May, which I think we'll uh, have Trip back on and talk about that one as well. 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Also available at Podcast One. Podcast One, you'll find us there at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Chris, uh, got you one more time on location, and then uh, you'll be back home uh, really for the rest of the golf season soon, right? Right, yeah. uh... My last week out here in uh, in Palm Springs. It's uh, 
it's it's perfect weather out here. It's, it's actually supposed to be be a hundred degrees on on uh, Saturday and Sunday, but uh, it a uh, hundred here feels about like eighty in in Brainerd <laughs> with the humidity. Yeah, so. it's a dry heat. Yeah, there's there's some yeah. truth to that. Yeah, <laughs> there there is for sure. <laughs> Got a couple things. Uh, this one just uh, just came out. Uh, uh, the uh, Masters Club dinner, April the sixth. You know, it's always uh, served in honor this year of Mr. Dustin Johnson. So he picked the menu because he won the last Masters. So here's what's for dinner, Chris. You're a food guy like me. Appetizers: pigs in a blanket and lobster and corn fritters. First course: house salad and Caesar salad. Family-style sides, including mashed potatoes and spring vegetables. The main course, filet mignon, not bad, or marinated sea bass. Uh, dessert, peach cobbler and apple pie with vanilla ice cream. That's not a bad uh, champion's dinner. It all sounds pretty good. I'm wondering <laughs> if I can get a, a half portion of the filet and the, the uh, sea bass. Yeah, I'd be in for the peach cobbler and the apple pie. So, No question. <laughs> Hey, we wanted to mention a lot of fun happening uh, not only next week at Augusta, but uh, kind of a new tradition that's getting started uh, this week at Augusta, Chris. Yeah, the uh, Augusta National Women's Amateur has taken place this week, and um, you know some local ties in that. There, there's only there's only seventy, I believe, seventy two players in the field. But Kate Smith from Detroit Lakes, who is a former high school two time former high school state champion in Minnesota, and plays at the University of Nebraska currently is uh, playing very well down there. She, um, you know, is, is re- record this. They're in the middle of the second round. First two rounds are at Champions Retreat, which is just outside of Augusta. And then the last round is on Saturday is at uh, Augusta National. And uh, Kate was actually leading the tournament at the end to play in the first round. They had a rain delay. So she was through 14 holes and uh, four under through 13. And then, Made a couple, uh, made two bogeys and a double bogey coming in this, this morning, but uh, is even par for the day through about six or seven holes. So, in uh, last time I checked, was in twelfth place. Cut is a uh, low thirty. So, having a great, uh, great tournament there. Boy, that'll be great. Uh, I, I kind of love the idea of the they separated it enough. I mean, it's close with the Masters, but it's also the idea of the amateur women playing there is really a fun idea and just uh, great publicity for women's amateur golf. Uh, yeah, it's great. It, um, you know, Augusta National, the founder, Bobby Jones, was, was a lifelong amateur. And the amateur game has always been very important to Augusta National. And, uh, I just have the, the, the best major in the world. But um, Augusta National is really, you know, taking a vested interest in the growth of the game in general but also in the amateur game and uh by you know kind of worldwide sponsoring the asian pacific amateur and the south american amateur and those those players get an exemption uh to the masters and now uh in the second year playing of the of the the women's amateur so it's it's really a neat deal and uh getting to play the play the the golf course you know, Saturday before the tournament starts, it's it's a great thing for golf and women's golf in general. Yeah, and a great preview of, for everybody that wants to see uh, the Masters next week. You get to see the course this week, and uh, I mean, just 
You wouldn't, almost wouldn't have to watch golf. You could just take the camera around Augusta and, <laughs> and look at the uh, unbelievable beauty of the place. So that's kind of fun, yeah, no, fun no as question. well. Uh, Chris, I always kid Dan, my morning partner on the Loon, uh, uh, how's the gum money? You know, if something's kind of up for sale or there's a big auction or uh, I'll ask you, how's the gum money? Because World Golf Hall of Famer Greg Norman's name um He's got his uh, Seven Lakes Ranch for sale for forty million bucks. If you got a little extra money in the coffers, you know, I I, I saw that. I saw a uh, <laughs> an online tour of it. it it's quite a uh, quite a place. We, maybe we could go on that together, Matt. Yeah, we probably bet. I'll put in a uh, hundred bucks, and you you, <laughs> and you throw the rest in. I think we'll we'll be good to go. <laughs> Greg's yeah, doing you know, okay it, in the business world. I read he has net worth is about four hundred million. So he's yeah, uh, he, he's he's been very successful in uh, uh, his after golf life. Well, really, <laughs> he he started all that during his golf career. But uh, yeah, it's interesting that his his Colorado ranch is for sale, and then his his uh, oceanfront property in Jupiter, Florida, is for sale. So Greg must be downsizing. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing a lot of. He does really well uh, with his resorts worldwide. I know he's got uh, incredible golf resorts all over the world. So, your uh, clientele there in uh, Palm Springs, kind of uh, golf ready, Chris, just based on weather and that kind of thing. So it's uh, you're you're teaching guys that are in mid season form. Back here in Minnesota, you're going to be coming home to uh, guys who are not in mid season form. So, what can we do? Uh, what can we do to kind of get ready for uh, opening day, which is starting around here? Uh, at a few courses right away. Yeah, this weekend, Craigan's Legacy is open, and uh, I know Madden's Pine Beach West is open, and uh, uh, Crosswoods and up in Cross Lake, and I'm sure a few that I'm missing. I would guess Eagle's Landing is going to be open this weekend. Yeah, so it is, yeah. We're we're right in the, uh, the start of the golf season, which is fantastic. And, you know, I think the biggest thing, if you have not done anything over the winter golf-wise, uh, I think you really have to kind of, ease into things and not uh, um, get a little stretched out and, and go on, you know, start off with, with small swings and, and your, in your short game and, and get yourself hitting the golf ball solid and, and then work into, work into bigger swings. But, um, you know, kind of take it easy. Your, your first swing of the season shouldn't be on the first tee with, with driver in hand. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good way to both injure yourself and to have a, uh, non-successful first outing. But, uh, Unless you've been uh, lifting weights for four hours a day and swinging another five hours a day like Bryson does, don't try to be Bryson. Yeah. No, exactly. No, nobody, nobody does it like he does. No, it's, uh, it's always great to get to this time of the year, get the golf season underway, and uh, really nice to have a, a couple or a couple week early start. Yeah, exactly right. Chris, uh, enjoy your last uh, few days in Palm Springs, and we'll certainly be glad to have you home and uh, teaching the locals here soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back. Thanks, Mac. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you as we uh, put a wrap on our first show of the 2021 season. Chris, some big news. We talked about uh, Tiger a little bit and uh, some of the golf headlines out there with driving distance and that, but uh, maybe one that flies under the radar but is very important is uh, Mike Wan does a wonderful job with the LPGA as commissioner, gets the uh, ladies some more money, gets their schedule increased, and now he's leaving and uh, going to the USGA. 
Yeah, you know, the, the, the USGA, it, it, there, there, there's really kind of, the in the world of golf, um, there are about four or five key organizations, and, and, and that would be the PGA Tour, the LPGA Tour, the RNA or Royal and Ancient in Scotland, uh, Augusta National, and the PGA of America. And th- those five organizations really have the biggest influence on all levels of the game of golf and uh, the governance of, of the game of golf. And, um, you know, of those, the, the USGA probably has had, um, perception-wise, the worst perception of, of any of those organizations and, you know, over the last decade. You know, everything from kind of some of the things they've done with the, the rules of golf and some of the blunders in the in the rules of golf, especially in the U.S. Open and course yeah. setups, and and just just the things that they've done um, that maybe haven't enhanced the game or haven't contributed to the inclusiveness of the game or the growth of the game. And um, I, you know, with, with uh, Mike Davis, who's been the CEO of the USGA, um, retiring, uh, Mike Wan could not be a better fit. For that position, I don't think I don't think we would have found anybody, uh, you know, who is currently in the world of golf uh, that would that is a better fit there. As far as all the all those things go, just uh, leadership in the game and inclusiveness, and he's done wonderful things with the LPGA Tour as far as increasing purses and really increasing the visibility. When he when he came on board, uh, I think there were ten or twelve. LPGA tour events uh, televised, and now now almost every event is televised. Plus, he's increased the number of tournaments, increased the exposure worldwide because it's it's now really a, a worldwide tour that, rather than just in the U.S. And then the the purses have increased by um, you know like three times compared to what he what he did when, or what they were when he came on on board. So his his leadership at the at the USGA is going to be uh, you know, make a big impact, and it's really going to be good for the game of golf. Yeah, just from a PR standpoint, for sure. And there, the USGA is a little uh, was a little unlucky, maybe with uh, uh, some of the things uh, because it was so. You know, guys like myself or the casual golfer, they don't really think about the USGA until the U.S. Open, and then they have a right. couple of uh, situations where you know the greens are almost unputtable and. And they scramble around and go, everything's fine. When when even the casual golf fan can go, no, everything's not fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So, uh, yeah, he from a PR standpoint, with the good press he had with the LPGA, should be a great, great choice. Also, uh, we've sure seen the, uh, with uh, Tiger's accident, Phil turning 50, um, you know, two of the two of the greatest ever going to probably be on the wane, certainly, to, uh, Phil's game. Probably already is. He's tearing up the senior tour, but uh, boy, the the uh, raft of golfers and the popularity of golf, Chris, with veterans and with uh, youngsters, there's probably as good a top twenty-five or fifty in the world as there's ever been. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's kind of been the the tale of the old and the young. You, know, you get you know guys like uh, uh, Victor Hovland and uh, Colin Marikawa winning. And, uh, you know, Matthew Wolf has not been playing well in recent, uh, the recent last couple months, but uh, certainly played, uh, made a big impact in a short time on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Uh, but then, then you've got some, 
you know, some veteran players who uh, winning like, you know, Harris English and Matt Kuchar and uh, Brian Gay who had won in, you know, 10 years and um, Sergio Garcia winning, winning in this season. So uh, Stuart Sink winning. So both some, some young guys and then some older players. So it's, uh, uh, it's been quite a good mix of uh, tournament golf this year. Stuart Sink, probably kind of a fun one for you to watch, Chris, with your sons involved in the profession of golf. And Stuart had his son on the bag when he kind of turned his game around. Oh yeah, that was that was just uh, you know it's heartwarming. You can tell what a great relationship they have. Playing some of the best golf with his son caddying for him, uh, which you know uh, at the uh, at the Masters. Uh, Darren Clark's, or not Darren Clark, but uh, Lee Westwood's son is going to be caddying for him. And Lee Westwood is, you know, over the past three weeks or a month, has played some of the best golf in his career. What a story! Yeah, that's been great. Yeah, so probably wants to keep his fiance on the bag as good as. Well, I I was going to say he's he's had his (laughs) lovely, lovely fiance on the bag, who is who is a a good player in her own right, and his son is a very good player. But the the two of them are kind of splitting the caddy duties, uh, and he he's going to be on the bag at the Masters, so that that will be uh, that will be fun to see. And uh, guess you know, Westwood has has played very well at the Masters in the past, so it w- it would be fun to see him in in contention there. And some of the uh, superstars always seem to be there in the uh, big tournaments and the tough golf courses. We go all the way back to when we kind of first. Uh, Finished up last season, Bryson DeChambeau wins the U.S. Open at Wingfoot, uh, traditionally very tough course. Then Dustin Johnson at Augusta picks up the win. And just this season, uh, Justin Thomas just won the uh, Players' Championship. So uh, when the top ten need to be there, it seems like the top ten are there, Chris. No, for sure. We, you know, the last couple, two weeks ago, we didn't have a, a great field, but uh, – uh, you know, like you said, Dust, uh, Justin Thomas winning at, at the Players Championship. That was a, that was a big victory for him. Um, just from a standpoint, he, I, you know, he's had some struggles this year off the golf course. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, we're we're going into major season here in a couple weeks with uh, a lot of great players with uh, playing very well. Yeah, Bryson won the Palmer. I left that one out. That's just a couple yeah. weeks back too. So. Yeah, a lot of the big names, and uh, Dustin's going to want to have his game rounded into shape, defend defend his championship at Augusta. So, should For be a sure. lot of fun. We'll have some uh, some good guests week of uh, the Masters next week. It's hard to believe how fast it all gets here. We'll have a uh, thank our guests for this week, and also a uh, pretty good schedule we've been putting together, Chris. It sounds like we're going to have a uh, another fun season of guests here on Lakes Woods and Irons. You know, we, we uh, I thought last year we had our best season of guests ever on the show. And uh, I'll tell you, with, with, with the lineups of some of the people I think we've got lined up for this year, it's uh, it's going to be great listening, I hope. It's like we have some and fingers crossed on some others, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Chris, uh, enjoy the uh, sun and fun, would you, just for me? Thanks. Thanks, <laughs> Mac. I'll... Uh, uh, I'll put a little sunscreen on for you. <laughs> Chris Foley uh, from Palm Springs, and uh, we're here in Minnesota. But the weather is coming our way, though. You've been listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.